Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hello? Hey. Are you ready? Everybody, yeah, shuffle your feet, yeah, everybody, move move laterally to the right, defense is back, all right. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, so um, defense is back on the Palouse, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, welcome to Podcast versus Everyone. Uh, this is Craig Powers, uh, joined, as always, by Jeff Newser. How are we doing, Jeff? I'm fantastic, man. I still haven't gotten over my uh, my Kyle Smith high. So I'm 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 just like riding that wave all the way into this week's podcast. Well, we got a re-up yesterday, so, or Monday. I know. So it was like a little another, shot in another, the arm. Yeah. And every time, you know, you know, nerds like us, we can just look on Ken Palm and all that stuff, and we can relive it over and over again. Read, read the articles, listen to the podcasts. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's get into let's get into our beers. Jeff, I know I heard you pop open a bottle earlier. What you drinking? I did. Okay, so what I've got is a, a beer from one of, I know your favorite breweries, Modern Times. I believe we've talked about Modern Times before on the show. Yeah. Uh, this is the uh, Haunted Stars Imperial Rye Porter with Nola Coffee. So, kind of sipping on it already. Um, the coffee is pretty overpowering. What's the at ABV? least right now? Uh, let me look. Sorry. Do 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 do. I'm having a hard time. Fi- oh, there we go. Eight point oh. Eight point oh. So. so you got a big one. Yeah. So it's a big one. It's like I said, yeah, the coffee's a little overpowering. Um, but you know, I kind of, it's, it's still pretty cold. Hasn't been out of the fridge for very long yet. So, uh, so I'll give you an update as, uh, as the show goes along. But, uh, while I'm taking another sip and kind of making up my mind on my rating here, why don't you explain uh, this week's rating system? Yeah. So, uh, thank you to at WSU or WSU Brady 27 on Twitter. Um, his name is Gokugs, which is a great name. That's I, hopefully his parents gave him that name. I, I would that would that would be amazing. Um, or he legally or they legally changed it to their yeah. name, um, which would be even better. Um, but yeah, so uh, he suggested last week, um, right before it was didn't have time to do it. It was right while we were recording. So, uh, but to rate our uh, beers on. Uh, as a seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, given that we are very deep into the NCAA tournament at this point. So, Jeff, um, what seed would you assign that, assuming it made the tournament? I mean, if yeah. it was really, really bad, you could say, like, no way, uh, they didn't even make the tournament. But Well, I mean, even like, I mean, even like Bud Light would be like a like a 16 seed, right? I mean, that would be with... Uh, chicory vanilla and almonds and i'm embarrassed to admit i don't know what chicory is do you know what chicory is um i want to say it is a wood 
Of okay. Some sort? No, that's not right. Maybe like no. a nut, a nut of some sort. That would make sense. Um, oh, it, it's. Uh, if it's only an, we had computers a, right in front of us where we could uh, look uh, this up. Chicory <laughs> is a cultivated edible plant, so way go. off on all parts. Uh, it's kind of like a flower. Um, as we've talked about, uh, modern times is a vegan brewery, so they use some pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Ingredients. Apparently, it's used as a coffee substitute. Okay, yeah. Time, so, so, so I was gonna say, I you're probably looking at the same thing I am. Um, and you being a being a history major might enjoy this. You know, uh, during uh, World War, was it one or two? Anyway, France, France, France used chicory to make their coffee last longer. So, it was, uh, it was, it was a, it was a thing done. Oh no, this is even longer than that. Are you kidding me? Okay, here we go. No one is sure exactly when people began mixing chicory with coffee, but according to Anthony Wilde, author of Coffee, A Dark History, the use of chicory became popular in France during Napoleon's continental blockade of 1808, which resulted in a major coffee shortage. So there you go. And interesting, another thing, uh, so you said it's brewed with Nola coffee, which I assume is from New Orleans. Uh, apparently, coffee and chicory blends are very popular in New Orleans. That would make sense. So that must be why they added that. Yeah. So it's it's definitely kind of a like I said, the coffee's a little a little much at the moment. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm I'm kind of interested to see how it how it tastes and mellowed out. Right now, I would put this at like it's like a like a five seed. I, I'd make it like a five seed. Like you know, it's it's good. It's got a shot. I mean, hey, Auburn's in the final four. But, uh, you know, maybe just outside, you know, getting a, you know, get getting a pod close to their close to their campus in a region that they like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, our listeners learning right along with us about chicory. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Napoleon. And it's a relation to Napoleon. Yeah. Great. So um, I am drinking uh, a beer tonight from Three Magnets. Um, that is a brewery in Olympia. Uh, I used to live in Olympia and I frequented this brewery quite a bit. I'm friends with, uh, several of the people that are involved and, and so, um, take my reviews, uh, for what you will, uh, <laughs> given that factoid. Um, so the beer I'm drinking is called one cap Kolsch. Uh, so it is a, uh, kind of a joke in reference. It, it was brewed in collaboration with a bottle shop called Full Throttle Bottles in uh, Georgetown, uh, the area of Seattle, not not Washington D.C. Um, Georgetown is obviously where the old Rainier Brewery is located, and they're just down this the block from the old Rainier Brewery, where actually a, a Georgetown Brewing is right next to there. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, Tully's Coffee used to be in that uh space but i'm not sure what's in there now um but but uh uh the uh this one cap kolsch uh i'll re- i'll read the can because it's funny so the can is if, if if it i know jeff you are and if anyone's familiar with the the uh the app called untapped um, <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's, i'm it, familiar with untapped <laughs> it, it's it's a uh it's basically a beer logging and rating thing where you can just kind of log the beers you have you can rate them if you want you don't have to you can put comments you don't have you don't have to put comments it's pretty open um i like to use it a lot like i I take everything with a grain of salt on there um so like what what this kind of is in referencing is is 
a lot of the styles on Untapped that do well that get higher ratings are like hazy IPAs, bourbon barrel aged stouts, and that's you know they'll always those will always be the highest rated beers regardless of if it's a well made hazy IPA, regardless of if if it's a well made bourbon barrel stout. I've noticed I kind of have to when I when I'm trying to decide you know use Untapped as a source to decide if a beer is maybe good or not. Uh, you find out that, you know, the best loggers, the best pilsners, the best Kolsch's will still be rated in like the three fives, three sixes out of five caps. They do caps instead of stars, although most people say stars anyway, because the little caps kind of look like stars. Um, but um, so, yeah, you'll see that. So, you know, sometimes if I see a pilsner is rated like 3.8, I'm like, oh, that's probably a damn good pilsner. Um, if I see an IPA that's rated 3.8, I'm like, that's probably not a very good IPA. Because, like, uh, it, or, or if it's a clean IPA, then maybe it might be good. But if it's a hazy IPA, it's rated 3.8. It's probably not that good because people automatically rate them higher. So this is kind of in reference to that. They actually, um, uh, Nate, the owner, uh, went on his uh, Facebook and just asked everyone, all of his friends, basically, to um, uh, go on to Untapped and rate the beer one cap. And let me uh, go see what it's at right now. Some people have screwed it up a little bit, um, but uh, nothing ever gets rated this low. Even like Bush Light is like a 2.8 or something. Uh, so people have been messing it up. It's at 1.27 now. So I don't think people are not getting the joke. Um, they like I see the last guy that rated it gave it a 3.75. Um, and so uh, they wanted it to be one, and it was one for a long time. But uh, there's some. So I, I've I've never this is the first time I've had this beer, but I've already rated it on tapped as one star. Um, so I think it's really funny. They um, I've talked to the breweries, a friend of mine. He said they've gotten lots of um, calls from breweries around the country that want to do like a, a kind of series. Uh, where you can they can do other styles that are one cap, asking permission if they can do a similar um, um, type of beer. So it's really funny because um, Kolsch is obviously not a, a popular, you know, uh, trendy style, but it is an interesting style. So um, uh, typically in beer is divided by lagers and ales, and uh, uh, with uh, lagers, um, just broadly, uh, they're uh, fermented. Uh, with yeast strains that ferment at uh, 40, uh, roughly 40 degrees, 45 degrees, uh, cold ferment beer. That's when you, when you hear Coors Light say cold fermented. It's like, yeah, it's because it's a lager. That's why it's cold fermented. It, it wouldn't be a lager. If it, but uh, and then uh, ales are typically um, uh, f- fermented at uh, use with strains that ferment at 70 uh, degrees room temperature ish, you know, 65 to 70 degrees around there. Um, so what happens with the Kolsch is it's use a, it uses an ale yeast, um, but it, it uh, so you initially ferment it for maybe about a week uh, at the 70 degrees, and then you cold condition it for another four to six or even however long you want to, um, however long you feel comfortable, you cold condition it for another four to six weeks at roughly 35 to 40 degrees so you get so it's it's fermented at both temperatures so it's kind of they call it a hybrid beer it's not 
It's not necessary. It's closer to an ale probably, but it's not necessarily an ale, not necessarily a lager. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting style. It's a German style. Um, it's supposed so a lot of these weird styles that come out like that are from Germany because they're brewing uh, the the Germany German purity laws. The brewer, brewers were so restricted because they couldn't add anything. Uh, but hops and water and yeast and and grain to their beers, uh, so they had to kind of come up with things. That's where a lot of smoked uh, barley, st- like smoked styles, come from because you smoke the grain, smoke the barley, and and then these weird styles like a Kolsch, um, like Hefeweizens, where they're murky and 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 they use wheat and stuff. So uh, Germany, they they, they kind of had to innovate within a box. And so you get weird styles like this. Um, so it's typically the the it typically with a Kolsch you get kind of a full a fuller body than a lager, uh, but still a crisp finish. Um, and I, this one definitely hits that. Um, it's it's got it's got a nice body. Um, uh, it's uh, not super clear, um, but I honestly I haven't had a lot of Kolsches that are always super clear. Um, and also the can can have some impact on that too. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely, um, it's a little, I would say a little happier than like a traditional German Kolsch, but I actually, you know, it's pretty good that way. Um, I, I, I used to never, like, I would never touch a, a style like this cause it was too light and I just wouldn't, I just want the flavor, man. But, uh, <laughs> I've, as I've, um, as I've kind of gone along my beer journey i've i've come back to appreciating these lighter styles like a kolsch like a like a pilsner like a uh you know a hellas lager or a, you know anything like that and i find myself when i go to like beer bars i'll be like looking for a, something like that on the menu because i'm just like i don't want to sit here and get shit faced um but um yeah so um yeah it's a pretty well done kolsch uh it's really funny so yeah, the the guy that owns Full Throttle Bottles, uh, Jonathan, is a smartass. So it's perfect right along them, and and the guys at Three Mags are smartasses. So, I um, mean, it's 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 worked out really. They've actually gotten a lot of pub out of it, so um, it's very good for them. Um, uh, it, it's funny to watch the confusion of some people, but um, yeah, it's definitely a reference to Untapped. Uh, and then uh, so if you're not Untapped, uh, you probably won't get it, but. Uh, if you go into my Twitter account, go to the podcast pod versus everyone Twitter account. Uh, I took a picture of the, the can. It's pretty funny. Uh, go have a look. Um, so how I'd rate this beer. Um, so because it's a Kolsch style uh, and, and, and just in in uh, in um, in keeping with the trend of the name, um, I got to give it a 16 seed, but it's definitely like a 16 seed that was higher rated like it it's definitely a little it's the best 16 seed it's not it's not in the 200s it's like sitting at one 130 and it was a strong field so normally that'd be a team that might fall in the 15 or 14 line but they're 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 up there so they're gonna be tough um they, they might they, they'll give give the one seed a you know the one seed bourbon barrel aged stout with like donuts in it or whatever they'll give them the run for their money um, but yeah, this is a, but, but still it's a one cap. I, I'm going to check into it again, one cap. Uh, cause you know, I gotta, gotta stick with that. I almost want to do it like uh, a quarter cap just to kind of even out some of these other dudes that it didn't get the reference, but, um, yeah, so, um, uh, just, I'm culturing it tonight. Uh, definitely a change from the, uh, like, uh, 12% barrel aged, uh, beer I had last week, uh, barrel aged Imperial red ale I had last week. So 
keeping the cows low and um, keeping my slim body. Got the I'm over 20 pounds down, so I'm uh, I'm even with drinking those beers, so I'm feeling good. Um, but yeah, one star, 16 seed, feeling good, man. Good, yeah, that's that sounds tasty. I know that like uh, I'm kind of with you, not not so much in the uh, you know desiring lighter type beers, uh, you know, very often, but you know during the summertime it actually is, you know, really a really nice way to go. I, I, I like it cause you know, it's warm out and you, know, you just start thinking about, Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to drink this, you know, seven and a half percent IPA and maybe, you know, so, but I think that's also kind of where, you know, some of the hazy stuff comes in cause um, it does have sort of a refreshing quality to it. So a little less, uh, um, you know, you, you don't get sort of overpowered by the bitterness yeah. if you're going to drink three yeah, or four of them, right? Yeah, it's less abrasive. You, you, you can eat something else and right. taste it. Yeah. But the nice thing about, you know, the lighter beers, you know, the lagers, the pilsners, the, the kolsches during the summer is, you know, a lot of times we do these things while we're, you know, while we're, uh, you know, cooking out in the backyard or whatever, and you're stuffing your face with food. And, you know, there's nothing quite as quite as awful as like, you know, eating some food and then drinking sort of a heavier beer and then just feeling like, okay, <laughs> you know, now I'm, I I don't actually want to move and it's 85 degrees outside. So yeah. And if you're going the distance at a, at a cookout or something and you're yeah. Be drinking yeah. for hours at a time, you know. Uh, yeah. Even if, if the difference between a four and a half percent Kolsch and a seven and a half percent IPA, you're making that up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, you can you can put a few more down. And uh, I know I, I I definitely have a sidecar beer, uh, but because it's so much lighter, I'm just like sucking it down. I'm I'm gonna regret not having more sidecar beers uh, by the end. <laughs> We will definitely so for for listeners we will definitely hit up some uh some you know some pilsner and lager recommendations this summer um as as we get sort of closer to the time for that style so well I'm taking so last week uh, uh Sherwood Kyle Sherwood was on and he talked about not knowing what I what he meant what I meant by a sidecar beer and he he referenced the sidecar uh, IPA from uh, <laughs> yeah. uh from I think it's Sierra, Sierra Nevada. Nevada right yeah and and so uh but my sidecar beer is typically a pilsner. It's usually the Freem pilsner, um, but this uh, this week uh, this week it is the because um, it was just released and they only release it like about twice a year. Uh, the Three Fates Czech style pilsner from Holy Mountain. Um, I stopped by and got uh, three four packs. There it is not a cheap pilsner. Uh, Holy Mountain likes to charge a little more for their product and it sells so good for them. Um, but it's just a delicious beer. I love it. I, I, I honestly, I wish they would just make it a year round beer. It's so crushable and, and such a well done Pilsner. And yeah, so I'll be drinking that after I, I put down my Kolsch. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it's all about light beer today. Uh, and, uh, you know, keeping, keeping sober for the, for this, uh, for this podcast. Do you think Kyle Smith likes beer? He seems like a guy who likes beer. I think Kyle Smith likes beer, and I definitely think he's more of a um, – what is he from – he grew up in Texas. Yeah, he's big, originally from Texas. He's very big at Lone Star and Shiner drinker. Yeah, I, I, would say, I would say he probably like craves that and loves to go back and get it. Um, that, that would just be my guess. Yeah, he strikes me like a, like a no-nonsense, you know, I just, I, just want, I just want a beer 
kind of guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need nothing fancy. I don't need nothing fancy. I just, I just want a beer, you know, it's, it sounds like, it seems like, you know, and you know what? I just like him so much. I fine, good. Drink whatever you want. <laughs> I yeah. won't even I won't even think less of you if you order a Coors Light at the beer at the bar. <laughs> yeah, no. Um I wouldn't think less of any of you. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will just secretly judge you and then I'll just tell you, no, it's cool. Order a Coors Light, no big deal. <laughs> but yeah, um Kyle Smith, eh? Uh, yeah. So it wasn't official when we had our podcast last week. So just to be front up, uh, we definitely were going to talk a lot more about spring ball, but this coaching hire has got has awoken uh, a, some uh, something dormant within both of us, and we are at our hearts uh, basketball nerds, and this hire has definitely got us wanting to talk about basketball again, and it feels good. Um, after drudging through five years of Ernie um, to just finally have something fun to talk about, something to look forward to. Um, Jeff, honestly, like uh, going back to the song I was singing, uh, Liz, uh, I think it was maybe Theo or I maybe it might have been a group interview that, that got uh, um, you heard from uh, Marvin Cannon and, and Gervais Robinson talking about how the first practice with uh, with Kyle Smith was just defensively focused, almost, and and how they they were just like, man, that was hard, focused on defense. I think that that speaks a lot about what the hell they were doing or not doing, and in, in the last regime. Um, but uh, that had me excited immediately, like just playing some fucking defense and 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 dedicating to that, because that's that's honestly our quickest way to improvement is just improving that defense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way to put it. Cause you know, our people who have been, you know, fans for some time, you know, will remember the immediate improvement that the Cougars made when Dick Bennett took over, you know, and um, obviously, you know, I don't think Kyle Smith is Dick Bennett, you know, and I think even he would say that, but um, at the same time, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's what are the things that you can control you know, with, with effort and discipline, um, you know, buckets are going to be buckets and they're going to go in and they're going to be out, you know, and we've talked, you know, however many times on this podcast about the three point lottery and all that stuff, you know, shooting comes and goes, but you know, sort of the, the common saying is that defense travels. And, um, and I think we both have sort of thought for some time that, um, you know, that a defense first mentality was, you know, was, was the way to go with, with our program. And I do think that, um, you know, I don't know how many more games they're going to win next year, but I do know this, they are going to look like they have a clue. Unlike, you know, the last basically five years, I'll say four, you know, Ernie's first year, um, they looked like they were trying to actually do something. And even though the defense was, um, you know, by, by adjusted defensive efficiency, that was actually his second worst defense next to this past year. Um, so the defense was, you know, patently horrendous, but at least on offense, they looked like they were trying to do a thing, you know, Devonte Lacey was, you know, shooting these transition threes and, you know, they basically, they looked like they had a philosophy and a style. And then of course, well, yeah. And we, and we should note that it was a dramatic improvement from the offense yeah, the year before. Yeah, huge, huge improvement over the last, that, that last it's offense, largely the same Bone. guys. So. 
was, yeah. yeah, that last offense under Ken Bone was one of the worst things I have ever seen. And that's and I and I really I try not to be prone to hyperbole, but that I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that they they were playing super, super slow. They were turning the ball over. They were missing shots like it was it was one of the more painful things I, I, I have ever watched on a team that I've watched. And and uh, I'm a Mariners fan. So, you know, that's really saying something. So and a Cougar fan from Paul Wolf days. So, yeah, they you know, the the def, you know, at least Ernie looked like he had a clue the first year, last four years. Everything was just sort of a mess. Um, and next year it will look very different. It will look like they have a clue. Um, it will look like they're trying hard, um, because he demands it and, and particularly on defense, which is really where you kind of see the hustle, right? Cause I mean, on offense, it's hard to see hustle just in the sense that, you know, I mean, you're running these sets, there are these movements. A lot of times you're not, you know, full blast, whatever, um, defense, you can see it, you can see the effort, you can see the energy and, and we're going to see that next year. And that's, that's going to be kind of a fun thing for our fans to latch on to, you know, along with the nerd ball thing, which we've talked about, I'm sure we'll talk about some more. Um, I just feel like he's going to give our fans something to sort of like wrap their arms around and be like, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. And I can see it kind of like, you know, with the air raid where it's like, I can see what we're doing and I can wrap my arms around this thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you, you wrote a, a nice post on Coog center this week about the, um, uh, what, what the roster he has to work with. And then he was talking about the almighty eight, uh, which was coined by, um, Isaiah Wade. Uh, so, uh, we're talking about the eight, uh, we're not fully sure which eight those are, uh, but we know that Carter Skaggs is gone. And I think both of us would agree that Carter Skaggs would not fit with this defensive philosophy. He, he's, he's completely out. He's, he's, totally out of position defensively he's he's got the quickness of a seven footer and a but whatever i don't want to pile on him but whatever he's a great shooter (laughs) Um, yeah and he'll find some he'll land somewhere where that shooting is valued and his lack of athleticism um won't be quite such an issue on defense so he'll he'll be fine and you know good for him i I, I definitely think he will um and i think he'll find you know find a a, a place where he's open more frequently and we'll have to yep. you know, f- be forcing looks and yep. he won't, he won't be just the guy that comes in to make the three. And so he's got to shoot everything he sees. So, but yeah, so um, I think that'll be a good transfer for him. Uh, so um, looking at the rest of the roster, um, when I'm looking at the guys we have coming back um, that would fit with this style. So just from a, um, just from a size and, and, and athleticism standpoint, I got to think Ellaby and Gervais Robinson and as Isaiah Wade um, and, and Ayaz Kuntz can be coached up to be good defenders. And, 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 and then one guy that I, another guy that already has some good fundamental defense, especially in the post and, and, and uh, he's got the effort there and he's a good box out guy is Jeff Pollard, who um, Kyle Smith said is, you know, was on an official visit while he was, while they, while he was doing his, introductory press conference but he obviously wants him back because that's easily the biggest body that the cougars have uh that the cougars would have next year um you got some um maybe some some size coming in from the recruiting class but that's not a given and and uh but pollard at six nine two forty otherwise isaiah wade's your most experienced big and he's six seven two twenty so uh that's that's not exactly the recipe for success in man-to-man with such a small um i mean i mean it's not as bad as it used to be because there's smaller guys everywhere but 
Yeah, Jeff, overall, what, and, and obviously one guy that there's a question mark is Ahmed Ali because he's definitely, he got beat up defensively this year. It's very obvious. Um, he's got quick hands. He can pick up a steal here and there, but not as much as you would think. Um, uh, and that's one guy that, Jeff, I'm thinking, like, uh, you know, it, w- where would he fit? Because I know uh, one of the uh, – one of the podcasts that uh, Smith was on, I believe it was uh, the Jordan Sperber's podcast. Um, you'll have to remind them of the name of that podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> solving basketball. Solving basketball. Solving basketball. Thank basketball. you. Yeah. But um, definitely you should listen to that. Uh, solving basketball with Kyle Smith. Um, and you should just listen. A lot of his uh, assistants and, and uh, former assistants have been on that uh, podcast. So, um, just uh, give that a listen. And then there's another podcast with um, a uh, assistant coach with Colgate. Um, Jeff, do you remember the name of that one? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he uh, stat chat with Dave Klatsky. Yeah. Dave Klatsky. He's an assistant coach with Colgate. Um, and he's just um, a big uh, uh, nerd ball nerd. Uh, so, um, but anyway, so uh, Smith made this point talking about, um, how he coaches, uh, and, and we can kind of get into how his actual analytics approach is, but um, coaches will have obviously clung. Uh, I think once you saw Brad Smith have all this like wild success and referencing Ken Palm and everything, um, uh, co- coaches be- started looking at Ken Palm. Every co- like any coach worth is worth anything would start looking at Ken Palm. But uh, Smith talked about how. You know, guys, uh, they would be drawn to the offensive rating of a guy. Um, so uh, offensive rating is roughly what what a what a um, what a player would be expected to produce points wise over 100 possessions. Um, usually, depending on their usage, but uh, a guy with a Metalies usage, uh, 107.6 is pretty good. Um, it's you know, it's definitely a serviceable offensive player. Um, you would definitely would hope that he would shoot threes a little better, um, but he takes a lot of deep ones, um, so that makes it a little tougher. But uh, but he says a guy, you know, coaches might be obsessed with the guy's offensive rating and not even consider what he's, they're doing on the defensive end. Um, that was one thing that encouraged me uh, about when, when listening to him talk is that he he doesn't just like he he likes the stats, but he's not stuck to the stats like he because you and I know like we use these for analysis a lot but we've used them so much that we can kind of read into them a little more um there there isn't I don't know of a good website with um there I know for um, NBA players they have defensive ratings um which are rated similar to the offensive range just inverse um, but uh, uh, I, I don't know of a good way NCAA. So that's so with with NCAA, it's more of you have to use your eyes and look at the guy. And 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 I I would I would put Ali in that category, um, a, a good offensive player who um, probably gives up as much as he gets on on defense. 
Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, as soon as Smith was hired, I kind of thought, okay, well, who's going to be the point guard? Uh, Robinson, I, I felt like, was probably the the front runner, probably the guy who would who would take over that that role, um, partly because, you know, he's just he's a little bigger. You know, if you're going to go defense first, you, you know, you got a guy out there who's 6'2 versus 5'11". Um, you know, if that's what you value and, and, you know, you definitely, you make a good point about the offensive rating stuff. Um, you know, Smith kind of said, it's really easy to get kind of in the weeds on those numbers because they're almost all offense focused. Yeah. It's really hard to measure defense. And, and I think, honestly, I think that's why, um, sort of the thing that's come up here, you know, today and, and yesterday, um, as we record this Tuesday night, um, you know, talking about the the motion tracking systems that they want to install that he had installed at um, in San Francisco that, you know, people are talking about, OK, is he going to install them, you know, here in Pullman? And, you know, that's that's where those really um, on the defensive end is really where those can really make their money. Um, you know, he mentioned specifically, you know, that those cameras can measure a closeout. You know, how fast do you close out? How close did you get on the closeout? Um, things that aren't really easy to see, even watching on video, that things aren't easy to see. Um, these things can measure with with pretty good precision. So, you know, it's it, that's where, you know, I'm, I, I'm sort of just like in love and encouraged by what he does. You know, he, he understands, you know, the limitations of analytics. Um, he understands what he clearly understands what it's telling him and what it's not telling him. Um, and, and he has a, just a clear sense of just sort of the value of each thing. And he seems like a guy who um, is really good at sort of keeping the plain things, the main things, you know, I, I had a pastor once who would say that, you know, keep the plain things, the main things. And it's like, you know, he would love these little sayings, but, but, you know, I mean, you know, they become aphorisms for a reason, right. Where it's like, okay, so it makes sense. And he's like, you know, he talks about how, you know, there's the story in the, in the nerd ball story in the athletic where his desk is, you know, full of stuff and he has to tell his secretary to get it all off his desk. Otherwise, Otherwise, he'll just, you know, stare at it all day long. You know, I think he just has a clear sense after doing this for so long. And, and I think that that's another really cool part of this is that he's, you know, damn near 50 years old. He'll be 50 before next season starts. Um, you know, he's been coaching for, you know, half his life. And he talked about how he was 0 for 11 on his first, you know, head o for his first 11 head coaching interviews. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been around. Um, this is a guy who's committed to what he does and, and he has some sense. They even talked about this on one of the podcasts. I don't remember which one, but you know, he kind of talked about how, you know, he would have this, you know, basically same presentation um, when he would go through interviews talking about what they do and why they do it. And, you know, he said the majority of the time, the ADs or the presidents would just be like, I don't get it. You know, and he's like, well, then I guess this isn't for me. And as time went on, he stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. He's committed to it. He believes in it. He's seen it work at Columbia. He's seen it work at San Francisco. Is it going to work in a power conference? You know, who knows? It might not. But this is all about probabilities, right? And it's about, you know, getting a guy who has a probability of success. And, you know, I don't, I, I truly, truly, truly believe there wasn't a guy out there who was within WSU's reach. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, oh, hey, bring Tony Bennett back. I mean, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, guys who were legit, reasonable candidates. I, I don't think there's anybody out there who was legit, reasonable candidate who gives WSU a greater probability of success than Kyle Smith does. Yeah, you know, I've, I've uh, th over the last week, I've, I've definitely um, come to that conclusion as well. 
you know, it's exactly the type of guy we're looking for. He's doing things differently. Obviously, in the last podcast, we talked about his his recruiting, um, looking in different places. Um, We saw um, some quotes from uh, what they heard from Aaron Baines. Um, talking about um, the importance of recruiting in Australia and recruiting internationally. Um, yeah, and just it, it's, you know, it's been cool to come out and see over the last week uh, the way that the the coaches or the coaches, I'm sorry, the way that Pat Chun and, and Kirk Schultz sort of uh, went out and got advice. Like they, they really looked at what has made Cougar basketball good before. And I think the last hire, um, was made in terms of what can we uh, looking for a style of play that might get people excited or something because coming off the leech hire for sure um, moose was like okay we had air raid you know that's all about putting points up let's let's look at you know a coach who plays fast fast tempo and so he already had a coach that had done that and went for that same guy and so you know that the process there wasn't wasn't a process that was uh, that that was about winning games. It was a process about creating excitement. But it, but the the irony there is uh, the the most the, the 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 coaches the coach that put the most play, people in the stands was Tony Bennett, and he played um, what what you know what the untrained eye would call the most boring style of basketball. Um, you know, with those limited possessions, but I mean, I, you know, personally, I'm, I'm ready for these hour and 45 minute games again, but hell yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I loved being, you know, I was, I was back at my dorm uh, two hours after the, <laughs> the game started. That was great. Uh, but, or actually the, my house where I was living, but, but yeah, well, with Dick Bennett was my dorm, but yeah, so, you know, but that's beside the point. Um, winning puts people in the seats that, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you get there. Uh, Martin stadium tickets have sold more as the football team has won more. They didn't, they did sell more because of Mike Leach and there was no basketball coach we were going to get with that similar, you know, uh, reputation and gravitas that was just going to come in and immediately just by name, um, excite the, the fan base. But I do think, especially after the press conference and, and, and some of the articles you've seen come out in Seattle times and, 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 and uh, other places, uh, spokesmen, I think that the fan base is getting excited about this. Now. I don't think they were last week uh, when it was announced, they didn't know who this guy was, but now that they've seen the guy and they've listened to the guy and they've heard from the guy and they've heard from the players about the guy, and they've heard from, you know, Clay Thompson and Aaron Baines and George Raveling and, and Kelvin Sampson and Tony Bennett about the guy. I, I think that uh, this is something that has got the fan base excited and just as excited as and as when they hired Ernie. And I think it makes a difference that um, that the full weight of the administration is behind him, too. Um, I, I don't like I think these things go hand in hand. You know, I mean, I mean, Schultz and, and Chun. Um, you know, have sort of been unequivocal in their in their praise of him and, and that he's the right guy and we're going to do this right. Um, you know, f- you know, for as much as Bill Moose sort of loved the spotlight, um, you know, he 
you know, he wasn't, I, I don't know. It's like hard to say, like he wasn't a great salesperson, you know? I mean, it's, I, I just, you didn't, you didn't hear him come out and say a whole bunch like, Hey, you know, here's, we should be excited about this. This guy is great. You know, I, it was just sort of like, well, here's the guy and it's going to be awesome. And, and, you know, and part of that was, you know, he hires Leach and Leach does all the talking and, and it's fine. Um, but you know, I, I just feel like with, with Schultz and Chun, um, you know, you just have this strong sense of the, of the direction of everything. And, and that, that probably sounds funny and vague and whatever, but you just feel like, okay, th- this whole thing, there's a plan, like there's, there's, there's a method behind what they are doing. Um, it is not, you know, the cheap way out, which is sort of the, been the reputation of the athletic department for pretty much its entirety. Right. And even when Bill Moose was, you know, spending all the money to, to build facilities and whatever, um, you know, there, there was just sort of this sense that we had kind of won the lottery, right? Cause that was, that was based largely at the time on, you know, the, the launch of the PAC 12 networks, the new TV contract that the PAC 12 had signed with ESPN and Fox. Um, there was just sort of this sense like, oh, we got this windfall, let's build some shit, you know? And, you know, this feels much more like a cohesive, comprehensive plan, we're going to do things this way. Um, you know, when we fired Ernie Kent, it wasn't an irrational decision. It was a rational decision that said, look, there's a cost to not firing somebody. There's a cost to continuing on the way that we are. And we decided that that cost was greater than the cost of firing him. And all of a sudden, like all these people that were wringing their hands about the the money situation, all of a sudden just kind of went, oh, Okay. Like, like it was just like, I don't know. And and so I, I feel like the buy-in here is part what they're doing. It's part what, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how many people watched, you know, Smith's press conference, um, but uh, you know, what the things that he did there didn't surprise me after listening to him on a couple of podcasts. Um, he's kind of a dork and I love it. You know, like, like he had this joke oh, yeah. about, he had this joke about Tony Bennett that just sort of like wasn't executed very well and he laughed at his own joke and then everybody else sort of like giggled at it and he's just sort of like sitting back there still laughing at his own joke i was just like you know he did the whole saint tony thing anyway it's just i I think fans are really going to appreciate him for um for his directness, for his honesty. Um, I think the the players are going to appreciate him for the same thing. Um, and, and I really feel like, you know, he's a guy who's going to be candid um, and, and is going to be a guy who, like like we said, is going to play a style that, that fans can really get behind. Cause I think there is going to be immediate improvement. You know, I don't, I don't know how many more games they're going to win next year, but it'll be more. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I definitely think from an offensive efficiency standpoint, he can keep them on the same level and the defense is just going to be a drastic improvement. I, I mean, you just look at, uh, what he did, um, his, uh, first year at USF, uh, man, uh, you, you logged me out, Kim Palm. What the hell? <laughs> Help me out, Jeff. His first year. <laughs> okay. No, USF. I got it. I got it. So his first year at USF, um, they, they, they made, a quite a dramatic improvement. They, they went from um, under Rex Walters, they were number 291 in adjusted defensive efficiency. And then Cal Smith's first year, they were number 59. So that is 291 is, and he referenced this in his, he referenced Ken Palm adjusted efficiency defense in his press conference, which Jeff and I were like, Ooh, 
This is oh one of our God. guys. You know, a coach that speaks our language is just like we're like. <sighs> so so we have like hearts in our eyes. It's so just amazing. So I mean, it is within. I mean, it is within the realm of possibility that he like he didn't do that same improvement when he went to Columbia, but he was also was his first time being a head coach. Yep. And and we'll probably get into this in, in a little later, but when Tony Bennett went to Virginia, he did not have an immediate improvement on the defense. It was Tony Bennett's third year or fourth year as a head coach. Like he and and it was the first time he had to install that defense on his own without his right. dad. So uh so you see Kyle Smith, like we so I think sometimes people forget that like most of us in our jobs, we get better at them the more we do them. Coaches can get better too. Yeah, and so that's what's nice about getting a guy. He's definitely got some years under his belt, but I think he's still got some room for improvement. So that's why you know, like, well, fourth place in WCC may be one thing, but this guy's doing things the right way, and so that's you know, it's great. So yeah, if we can keep, you know, keep an offense, you know, around the top hundred, and then have a top fifty-nine defense. Jesus, I don't like. I'm not saying that we go fifty. I don't know if we have the the guys on the roster to have that good of a defense, but um but even if it even if you improve to 100 like it's an insane improvement so I, I it's it's really exciting that the first thing they did at practice was defense i know that's what i said last time but um this is so important to me and so imp- i know it's important to you jeff i yep. we, when, when we were looking at candidates uh, i mean you want we we we, we kind of you know uh, you say like, well, it's just a guy with a style, but honestly, a defensive style was preferred, and a guy who emphasizes rebounding, which he does, um, defensive rebounding plays man-to-man defense, which he does. Um, uh, I, I watched a, 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 it was painful, but I watched a. They have a, you, they have the full game of when they played at Gonzaga. They got their butts kicked, but they're playing man-to-man from the start, and Gonzaga is. Uh, a dramatically more athletic and talented team than they are, but they're playing man to man from the start. And, and so that if, if you play, if you stick to a defensive philosophy, it's, it's going to work better. Um, and it, even if you have lesser athletes, which we saw in Dick Bennett's years, when, uh, when with, with Robbie Calgill as a freshman playing center and, and, you know, the Kyle Weaver and those guys uh, having the number two defensive efficiency in the country uh you know an awful offense but like you you can you can coach that defense up and that's what's exciting focus on the defense and again he's not dick bennett he's not like i would not i'm not going to expect like top 10 defensive efficiencies top even you know not necessarily top 50 but i i could see him getting to a point where he's that good because he he's only 49 um, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. Um, and, and so he's got a lot of improvement. Coaches improved. Tony Bennett improved. Obviously, look at where he's at now. But like, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to know that I, I don't think he's done. Like, I don't, I don't think he's a finished product, but, at, but, but what he has is, is great. Yeah. And I think really kind of my, just kind of my final thought on him from, from yesterday, um, is this that uh, he very clearly wanted this job? Um, th- this was something that he that he wanted, uh, that he was pursuing. Um, th- this was not a situation where okay, I guess I'll take it. Um, 
you know, and of course the whole, you know, Coog fan telling everybody that, you know, nobody wants this job, um, and, you know, and then, and then kind of what I wrote and it's like, yeah, like it'd be, it was really clear. If you haven't watched it, um, you know, make sure and make some time and watch it. It'll only take, he's, he's on up on the mic for, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. So it won't take a ton of time. Um, but it was just very, very clear that he wanted to be here. And that he was excited for the challenge. And, you know, again, that's the kind of thing that I think you only get from a guy who has been around for a long time and and hasn't had a big time opportunity. And, you know, people would argue, oh, WSU is not big time. OK, fine. But it's in the Pac-12. And not only that, um, let's just be real. Um, he was probably never, ever, ever going to make an NCAA tournament at San Francisco. And that's not even necessarily a knock on him. That's just the reality of the situation. You've got Gonzaga at the top, you've got St. Mary's playing number two, and, and then it's everybody else, you know, fighting for scraps. And when you play in the WCC and BYU, and BYU right. And, and who is, you know, going to hire a new coach and should be, you know, should be back here pretty soon. And so it's like, yeah, you know, good luck, right? Good luck getting in the tournament with yeah, that is the wcc you know, gonna get four bids? yeah the wcc is not getting three or four bids you know they got two this year because gonzaga tanked in the championship so i mean it's like so you know this is his opportunity i mean if he can simply create a top four team at washington state like he did at um at san francisco that's in most years going to be good enough to get in the tournament you know well, yeah that's, so, that's that's what we when we were talking about um after Ernie was fired, the type of guy that we'd be looking for, uh, you like to see how a guy performs against his peers, and he he performed well in the Ivy League, and, and he and frankly he took two programs that had no business being in the top half of their leagues, right. in Columbia and San Francisco, and made them both top half league teams. And we were talking about this last week, the expectations at WSU. If we're a top half of the league team, one, most years in the Pac-12, you're getting an NCAA tournament with that. Yep. And and then and and two, that's well beyond 90% of WSU's basketball seasons. 95 probably percent of WSU's yeah. basketball seasons. So like that's that 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 is what we want. And so you know, it's not a splash hire. You know. Um, who knows if he can win a Pac-12 championship, but I, I, I'm confident he can get us into, you know, top four, top top five. And in and, and most years, that, that'll be a great season like that we'll have memories and, and tell our kids about. So, But I, I do I want to make one point before we moved on from uh, um, our, our, new, our new Lord and Savior, Kyle Smith. Uh, sorry, Gardner. Um, but, uh, yeah, you've uh, been, you've been supplanted as our savior. Sorry. Although Gardner has results. Kyle doesn't have results yet, but, uh, but I, we're just, we're basketball nerds. Sorry, Gardner. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, it's, it's gotta be nerdball. Data attack sounds terrible. Yeah. Oh, there was another one in there, but it, it, it's the matrix. Be, the, no, yeah. Matrix something. The matrix. And then there was uh Smith. I don't know Smith Smith something I don't know. Nerd, Nerdball. Yeah, Nerdball's got to be it. Nerdball's great. It can be communicated with two emojis. Like it's it's catchy. It's yeah, Nerdball yeah, is Pat, it. Don't don't Pat, mess with awesome. I know you're listening, Pat. That's right. Drop the data attack and the other right. ones. Just gotta Nerdball. Be nerdball. Yep, got to be Nerdball. It's Nerdball, man. 
Dude, I, I mean, seriously, don't you just – okay, so you remember um, the last – you know, you remember senior day in 2000 – what was it? 2008, and uh, everybody wore ties, yep. right, to the, to the game. Yeah, I was in the front was, row of the student section. I was it's not like, in the front I, row. I, I was in the my, last row. I was in the last row of Beasley for that game. I, I still had my uh, student pass. And uh, because I was student teaching in the fall semester and apparently it carries over, which I found out like in line, like what, like I, I, I found out because it was the first, the only game I had went to because I was poor. I was just out of college. I, I couldn't drive to Pullman from Seattle all the time, but because um, I was paying to live in Seattle. But uh, but uh, I, so we went to that game. I still, I have a picture with like Tony Bennett from that game and like, and all that stuff. And, you know, so. Yeah, so those long last lovers, but but yeah, so I I that game. Uh, if you look at the highlights of that game, my sister and I are very prominently featured in in the crowd shots, and uh, we I I I didn't just do a tie, I did a full on like uh, collared shirt underneath my Zucker shirt <laughs> with funny. a crimson tie and everything. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that was you know we had tie one. I think they had shirts tie one on for Tony. Yeah, because he didn't wear a tie until that right. very first fucking press conference when he's wearing a tie. And we're like for Virginia. <laughs> God damn it! I know we're gonna get over this. But you know my my kind of my point was that you know there are things like that that you can get fans to grab onto, and so it's like I'm just envisioning you know the Zoo Crew wearing these you know plastic glasses you know these these you know yes. thick frame glasses with no lens you know with no lenses in them right where it's like you know just everybody wearing these thick frame glasses and and it's you know nerd ball like like i just anyway i you know i have these visions of of these things that that we can do that to, to sort of make it ours and and i really think let's, that let's take to, it from stanford before yeah let's do it they're, they're not the they're not the nerds they're not nerd they're not that nerdy you know, so let's do it. Let, let's make it. Plus, we're, do they run a Princeton offense? We're going to run a Princeton offense. What's nerdier than running a Princeton offense? Nothing in the entire world. We're going to run Nothing a Princeton offense. We're, we're like, it's going to be less than five seconds on the shot clock every single time. We every time. It's going to be great. <laughs> yep. All right. Should we, uh, should we start our Tony Bennett therapy session? All right. Well, we've. We've already talked about. He's obviously on our minds. I know. We're like we're like the 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 ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend that just can't like stop talking about how great this person was that they dated, even though they broke their heart. Yeah, I, I after uh, after after um, it was late at night after watching uh, Virginia uh, make that miraculous uh, win to go to the Final Four. I yeah, you know, I think it was about one a.m. I. I, uh, I I I emailed Tony's uh, UVA address, uh, just you up, um, but I didn't get any response. So, <laughs> not but, but but yeah, I um, so yeah, uh, Tony Benz uh, in his first Final Four, matching his dad. Um, look, I'm gonna I'll say it. So, before, the funny thing is, before last year, I had decided. That you know what, like I just didn't feel the animosity that I had felt anymore, and I was like, you know what, I I love watching Virginia play basketball because it it just reminds me of like the good WSU teams. Like just you see 
the players and the roles they're playing and everything like and I would just find myself like rooting for them even though I was like trying really hard not to and so I was like before the tournament last year I'm like all right I, I think I put Virginia as the national champion in my brackets and I was like I'm all in I'm you know I'm gonna root for Tony and fuck if they <laughs> become the first 16 seed to lose to uh or first one to lose to 16 which actually was like okay like that that was like a pound of flesh that i didn't know i needed <laughs> like <laughs> like i was like okay actually like i feel better now, I feel better now. so like some kind of penance had been paid so so now it's like this kind of like uh, you're of two minds because like you, you you watch Tony have success and I and I truly respect the man. I know how he left wasn't the greatest thing, but he he's a he's a good person. I love his dad to pieces. Like it's like, like yeah. uh, uh, I, I, he he's just like like I I you know when I was a freshman in college was his first year coaching at WSU Dick Bennett and then so like I had Dick Bennett for three years and and we didn't win a lot of games but man like uh he he was just like he flipped off the uw suit section he was just this passionate guy and he just it was so endearing and and just in, in invoking a style of play at wsu and in creating interest in basketball at wsu you know you just gotta you just gotta like you know you, you love dick bennett and and one of the things on um on uh was it sunday or saturday um saturday so uh when uh when Virginia pretty much had it wrapped up and they were shooting free throws and over time um they panned the crowd and Dick Bennett and he's smiling which is an incredibly rare sight um cuz it when they made the the that uh was it Dikinte however you say his name Dikite Dikite um when he made that uh well after the great pass from the freshman point guard that to to send it in overtime you you look at the crowd it's every virginia person is freaking out and there's this one guy in a white polo that just didn't move and like when they pan the crowd you see dick Bennett's face and he's got that sourpuss face that's <laughs> dick Bennett and i know but then when they when they panned in overtime and they're gonna win there's this little smiles cracked his face and then of course there was this interview with him after and then that gif of um tony breaking up the interview with matt norlander and uh uh giving him a hug and and it's just like god like i just want to hate you man but i can't like <laughs> right in the feels but 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 it's just like you you still have this um uh you still have this longing of what could have been you know it um uh, she went off to a a prettier or a better looking more hokey more successful guy but uh, you still think that maybe you know you you could have been great together, and, and it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, it's for me. I uh, so I didn't get to watch the game. Um, well, let, let me take that back. I watched the first half, um, and then I had to had to. <laughs> I went with my family to go see Dumbo, uh, which was good, by the way. And, you know, I got back and it, it was late. And so I wasn't going to watch it that night. But I, you know, I had DVR going. I'm going to watch it the next morning along with the Sounders. Going to get up and, you know, watch that with, with a little coffee, watch the two games. Went to turn on the uh, the game. 
and realized that I had screwed up the DVR, which of course, uh, who among us has not screwed up a DVR recording, right? And uh, so I did not have the second half of the game to watch. Um, sort of frantically went looking. I, I was like trying to see if there was like a, a recording somewhere, like online somewhere I could watch, whatever. You know, like I really wanted to watch the second half. So I had no idea what had happened. Um, and then, of course, I stumbled on to the result saw that they had won and whatever. And then eventually I watched uh, the uh, NCAA actually does these condensed games where basically they show you just all the made buckets and then a few of the missed shots when a great defensive play is made and they condense the game down to, you know, 13 minutes or something. Um, so I watched that, you know, and I saw they won. I went, oh, okay, that's nice, you know. And, and uh, so I watched it and then I'm like, holy shit are you kidding me that's what happened you know and then i was even more pissed at myself for screwing up the recording right um but you know as i as i sort of watched some of the you know the post game videos and and some of the reaction stories and things like that um it, you know i just I, I couldn't help but be happy and and i say this as someone who um as you know craig was very bitter and very very pissed at tony for a very 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 long time um you know maybe even up until last the end of last season i mean i just what frustrated me about the way he left um it, it's not that he left you know i, I think we all expected that was probably going to happen at some point I, you know i think we all figured it you know he wasn't long for wazoo but um you know i think most of us kind of hoped we would get maybe like five six years out of the deal and not three. And not only that, um, you know, he, his stock was really at its highest after the second year, right? When, you know, they make this right. sweet 16 run, his name's being tossed around, I think with Indiana and, and some other big names, some other big, I think Marquette might've even been open at the time, yep, you know, so yeah, two, yeah, yeah. So those were the two big ones. And, and he said this quote and, and, you know, I might be remembering wrong. I don't know. It could just be that I'm bitter. I, I have no idea. I've never been able to find it since, but I, I just, I have this memory of him saying, you know, Hey, I, you know, I'm not ready to leave yet. I want to see what we can build here. You know, nobody's ever really built something at Washington state and I want to see what we can build. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, at the time. And, and then, you know, of course a year later he bails and, and really, and, and it's not even like, okay, so like, this is why we call it the therapy session, right? Cause when I'm like, I'm like confessing all this stuff, you know, it, it was when he left, um, it, it just felt very, um, cold and, yeah. and really emotional. He was on a, like he, he was, he was on a plane. We saw yeah. him leaving on a plane and then we saw him with an orange tie. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he waved at everybody at the tarmac and he was gone and he hadn't said anything. And, and not that, I don't know, like, like, again, this, this is where I, I, like, I question my, you know, my, my rationality versus my fandom, right. Where like the rational me goes, this is just how it happens. I mean, look, we just got done celebrating Kyle Smith. That's how he did it. Right. Like he was all of a sudden it was, he's going to be at Washington state and and he left and he was gone. And, uh, um, yeah, and, and he was definitely, he was USF's guy that was going to bring their yeah. program back. Yeah. And, I mean, they gave, like, all, they, gave, yeah, they gave him a raise. Yeah. They gave him a raise a year ago. Last I mean, year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, he just did the same thing and we're just like, Hey, Kyle Smith is ours. So I, like, I mean, I get it. Like I get it, but the funny thing the is that has nothing to do with anything, but like you, UVA was like, uh, who's this guy? <laughs> like, oh, totally. Their fans were like, <laughs> we hired who from where? 
And we're like, you assholes, like we love him, you know, like, how do you not know what you're getting? And so, you know, so just kind of watching that process and just feeling like so abandoned, um, you know, especially for a guy. And I know that, again, this is going to sound, you know, however it's going to sound, but it's like, look, there is no Tony Bennett without Wazoo. Okay. Like, like, I don't really know a nicer way to say you know, unless Jim Sturt calls up Dick Bennett and says, hey, what you doing? Well, and yeah, he, that was a funny thing. Uh, Kyle Smith in his press conference says, you you, you you, all better believe that you had a part in what Tony Bennett has done. And I went like, fuck yeah, we had. Yeah, <laughs> like, come on. Like, we brought his like, dad up. His dad came out of retirement okay. to work so that we could make him his son head coach. Like, yes, and, of course we did that. And when have you ever heard Tony say that? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like so anyway, for a guy who's like, you know, thankfulness and like all those five pillars and all that crap. It's like, I don't know. It's just like it just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um it probably shouldn't have. I fully admit it probably shouldn't have rubbed me the wrong way. It doesn't seem to have rubbed any of his players the wrong way. It doesn't seem to have rubbed anybody who knows him the wrong way. So this is probably a me issue, right? Like I'm fully fully ready to admit that this is a me issue. But for a long time I was just like, you know what? Screw that guy. You know, he can go do his thing at Virginia while we're left here with Ken Bone and Ernie Kent and our program is burning to ashes and it's like, you know what? Screw that. And um, as much as I appreciated what he, um, you know, what he was doing at Virginia as a coach, there was a lot of just like, it should, it should have been us or at the very least, like, it should have been like a couple more years of us where we were on, you know, more solid footing. And and I think he felt like he was leaving us with solid footing. I mean, he left us Clay Thompson for fuck's sake. Like, you know I mean? Like he left us some tools. Clay Thompson, D'Angelo Casto, know. you know, left us Rock Modem, you know, there, there's good players Xavier Thames who ends up transferring, but also ends up becoming awesome. And it's like, okay, so he left us some stuff and whatever, but it's still just like, man, you know, I just, I would watch it and just think like, God, we just like, we had it, we had it. And, and, you know, and I probably should be angry at, you know, Ken bone and Jim Sturk and Bill Moose and Ernie Cat. I mean, those are the people I should probably be angry at. And at this point I pretty much am. And, and so this is all a very long story to say, okay, so after the game, I, I saw the post game video and, and I saw him cutting down the nets and the joy that he was feeling that he often, cause he's, he's such a, um, you know, the opposite of his dad, right? I mean, he's just very even, very even keeled. Even last year when they lost the 16 seed, he was very just like, it's okay. We're going to be okay. And I was just like, my God, like, so to see his, the, just sort of the raw emotion pour out of him. And we all know how competitive he is. I mean, look, those of us who were fans, you know, 10 years ago, we know like this is a, ultra competitive guy. I mean, it's a guy who, you know, made it to the NBA from, you know, a a mid-major school. I mean, ultra competitive and to see that sort of pour out of him and then to see the emotion from Dick and just sort of all that. I just went, you know what? God damn it. I can't be mad anymore. I can't be mad anymore. I'm really happy for them and, and I am over it. And I, I declare for the whole world that, um, all the feelings I had, which were encapsulated perfectly by Kyle Sherwood <laughs> 10 years ago or 11 years ago. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to witchesofeastman.blogspot.com and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's like, I, I, I like finally, 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 I can let go of that. And, um, I, you know, I'm not going to say it feels good cause you know, whatever, I, I don't really care that much, but at the same time, like, you know, 
I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for both of them. And, um, you know, just especially Dick, like, you know, as a parent and, and you're sort of getting this feeling now as a parent, it's like, yeah, like, like just when your kids do something, I mean, look for you, I'm sure it's like when your kid like says part of a word or yep. <laughs> you know, starts to kind of walk and you're like, God damn. Yeah. You fucking walk, you walk. Cause you're a powers and that's fucking awesome. You know, cause that's the way parents are right and so to see dick bennett get to have that moment with tony made me really happy too so yeah i mean i'm happy for him i'm totally pulling for him in the final four um pretty unabashedly at this point and uh yeah so go tony go coogs and i'm not sure if i could say go cavaliers but but go tony and go dick and and all that stuff i can't i can't quite say go who's or anything i did just i have a i have a good friend whose daughter just uh decided to go there so um, but, uh, but, and, and, you know, he'll be excited for that, but I was like, you don't even know the relationship I have with UVA. It's, it's, it's complicated, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I would unabashedly root for them, but, uh, we you and I are in a pool, which has, I believe some money on the line. Maybe and, I don't... <laughs> uh, if, if, if Michigan state wins then then i win the pool and if virginia wins actually you don't win but this other guy wins no so, i don't win some yeah guy. yeah so it's between me and this other guy but 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 i wouldn't you know i i i so I, i'm not gonna lie so my my uh my amanda was watching with me while we were watching the game and and uh when they uh flashed uh to uh dick bennett like smiling after the game like i fucking welled up and i was like oh and i was just like oh man like i was i was hard so i i I had been rooting for them but um i definitely was rooting for them to beat oregon even though i i respect dana altman so much and i i you know i oregon always hires these fucking coaches that i like and i just well, it's easier once they got rid of Chip Kelly and footballs, but like, but like, I'm just like, stop hiring people that are cool. And, but Dana Altman's great. But, um, uh, I, I also want to see better. Like, this is one of those years where it was just great. Like there's just better teams in the elite eight and it made for like one of the best elite eights we've ever seen. And, and so you just wanted to see, and, and I'm, and, you know, personally, like, uh, so I, I was so, you know, I, I, I knew I was fully bought in when Diakinte hit that, that tie in shot. Cause I, fl- I like, I flipped, I like, I like jumped off my couch and screamed. I was like, yes. And I was like, all right, okay, fine. I'm definitely rooting for Virginia now. And, uh, but, but yeah, it's like, but, but there, there, there was a point like over the years where, I would take offense to the fact when people say said Tony's style couldn't win in March, which is a ridiculous statement. Like I understand where people are coming from with with upsets, but you're talking about a guy that loses three games all year in the ACC, and you're saying that that style can't win suddenly in March. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's just like random things happened, and and but but I I mean. Because uh, Dick Bent, his dad with that style, went to a Final Four. Tony has a Final Four, and he's the favorite to win the championship right now. Um, it, you know, him or Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State's probably playing really well, like a like a one seed, like they people thought they were going to be all year. But um, but yeah, it's like it's kind of like validation that uh, even though 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you look at all the teams in the Final Four, uh, with the exception of, uh, sorry, um, but with all teams in the Final Four, with the exception of Auburn, um, yeah, defense first clearly works, you know, but obviously Virginia was very good offensively this year as well, but um, you have Virginia number five adjusted deficiency, Michigan State number nine, and Texas Tech, who is the most extreme of that number one adjusted deficient defensive efficiency. Um, they obviously play a, a quite a different style than uh, Tony Bennett does. Um, but, um, but, and then 28th and O, but they're, they're in the, in, in the final four. And it's not even a surprise. You're like, yeah, you know, and they definitely uglied up some games and we'll probably see some yeah, um, ugly games, but uh, we'll see some good games too. Cause all four of the uh, final four teams are in the top 11 and that's great. And, and, uh, but anyway, so beside the point, yeah, I'm over it. Uh, rooting, rooting for Tony. Uh, just happy to see Dick Bennett happy. Uh, it's, it's a weird feeling. And we'll probably get some shit from some people based on what I saw on Twitter. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm over her. I, I definitely think Kyle Smith helps. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm 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 looking forward to WSU basketball now, and 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 I'm happy to see Tony Bennett succeed. So yeah, um, good therapy session, Jeff. Yeah, that that was good. I feel better. Do you feel better? Yeah, yeah. And like you said, Tony Bennett, or, or I mean, uh, Kyle Sherwood on which is Viesman. If you want to know how exactly how I felt <laughs> the moment that he left. Yep. Um, which was the exact also that was the exact 10 year anniversary of when he went to the final four. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about yeah, that it's, symmetry? But it's, um, uh, if, if so, I mean, I imagine if you listen to this podcast, you are not sensitive to, uh, to naughty words, but, uh, if for some reason you are, um, that witches of Eastman, uh, spot, uh, post by Kyle might not be for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. It's got some naughty words in it. Yeah. Um, well, just right up there, right up front. More than you know one. What you're getting. <laughs> it, it involves uh, sexual acts in an ear, if that helps. Oh, hey, the manager's just won again. Hey! Uh, hey. <laughs> Best team in baseball. <laughs> yeah. What um, else should we talk about? Where, where should we wrap this up? What, what else should we What else should we throw in? Yeah, where are we at right now? I don't even know where we're at. On the I don't board. know. You want to talk, You want to talk about? Uh, oh our damn, we're president? deep. We're deep. You want to talk about our racist president? Uh, yeah. So I we'll, we'll talk about this briefly. So once again, uh, the, you know, the kind of just the such with with, with ease that he lies. Like so, he tweeted out. Uh, By the way, this quick. is this is the coastal elites segment. This is, oh sorry yeah this is the coastal elite segment. Um, I know we got some people on the right that listen to this and like yes. the podcast. So yes. so it's, you you all must not be that offended. And this is gonna be a short one um, because we are already deep in this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, but but yeah so he he tweeted out this week which is just like the, just the, the the lies come so easy and even even when they conflict with his own administration says so. He says that Puerto Rico has already gotten 91 billion dollars, um, uh, and it's it's mostly uh, their politicians have messed up the money. And the fact that the fact is that Puerto Rico has not gotten 91 billion dollars, um, 
I didn't see the exact number, but it was definitely in the single digits. It might have been more closer, $1 billion. And there's a plan um, to give them that over a span of, I believe, 20 years. Um, so they definitely do not have, they definitely have not already gotten $91 billion. And I know he wants to throw the blame on the Puerto Rican politicians, but, um, frankly, we, we, Puerto Rico is a, a U.S. territory. Um, I have a, um, a good friend from grad school who was a Puerto Rican. And so I learned all about the rights that they have and do not have as U.S. citizens, including to vote. Um, they do not have the right to vote, um, but uh, or to, for um, in the presidency and everything like that. Um, but uh, but he so he lives in the U.S. now. But um, um, but uh, but anyway, so they are American citizens though. And uh, if you got to think, if something like this happened on the lower 48 plus U.S. Alaska or plus Hawaii Alaska, it would have been a completely different story. But um, I think that. That was obviously a situation that's been neglected so far, and then just blatant lies in in trying to cover up the neglect, which is pretty much on par, I think, with the uh, administration so far. Yeah, and you know, you look at okay, so why, you know, why does Trump pick these fights, right? Like, where where do they come from? What's the motivation? Why does he decide that this is an area he wants to go? Um, you know, his, he has many things that obviously irritate him and piss him off. Um, but one of the biggest obviously seems to be, um, his perceived waste of money, right? Like anything that, that he perceives as a way, which, which is sort of bizarre because obviously, um, he supports a lot of things that, you know, you and I would, would sort of perceive as a waste of money. Right. But, um, you know, there are things that, so you learn a lot about a person by, you know, how they spend their money or how they view the the spending of their money, whatever. And, you know, this is sort of a window into him, right? And, and so this this constant criticism of of Puerto Rico, I mean, even when the hurricane hit and the place was just like like flattened, right? I mean, like flattened and flooding and um, everything else, you know, he he sort of blamed it on, I mean, really he, he talked about Puerto Rico like it was some third world country in a far off land, you know, and it was like, you're talking about a U.S. territory, <laughs> like, like this, like, like we're responsible for that shit. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, obviously they have, you know, a local government or whatever, but it's like, you know, I mean, they're a territory. We, we, they, they are U.S. citizens. Like, we, you know, so it, it was just sort of bizarre from the beginning. Um, and, and it really sort of just sort of, you know, fits in with his sort of larger worldview that, you know, if you're, if you're not white, basically um you are sort of second class and and substandard and and the things that you make and do are substandard and the countries are substandard and you know the the report about him calling you know african countries you know shitholes and all that stuff um you know that stuff you know it 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 sort of permeates the things that he says and the way that he thinks and you know so to say not only to say that you know Puerto Rico is a problem um but to sort of like vastly inflate the lie 
Um, and in the Washington Post fa- fact checker I was just looking at said that uh, really $11 billion had been spent so far. Okay, um, so there's, that was a little Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's a plan for, you know, a lot more than that, about five times more than that um, to, 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 you know, as far as like outlays go, the like money that's already been allocated that is going to be spent. So, you know, yeah, but, but it's nowhere near, you know, 91 billion. Um, but, you know, I mean, I mean, Trump sees people as, as, you know, either him or others. Right. And, um, you know, when California had the wildfires, he treated that very differently than he treated the tornadoes in, you know, in Alabama or well, the I mean, in Texas. So, I mean, not, not to be too, uh, brass, but like, California wildfires, there's a lot of like very wealthy people losing it's their true. homes. Yeah, so there's more people he could relate to. So, yeah, but, he, but even that, though, I mean, that, he, he sort of went, you know, well, they're having these wildfires because they've totally screwed up the forest management. You know, it's like oh, he, yeah. he like went after California when they're in the midst of this disaster. Um, you know, he, he tends to go after vulnerable people that he senses do not support him or are not worth his um, thoughts or, or affection or whatever. And, you know, um, non-white people certainly fit into that, um, certainly fit into that paradigm. And then, you know, people politically not aligned with him also fit in. And, and, and that's frustrating from a president. Um, the idea that, you know, some people are worth more than others um, in our country is, is sort of like maddening to me. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, of course it's, uh, it, it was, it, it's just, you, you see the kind of the, um, I, I believe it was something like e- women's equal pay day or something around that nature. You just see the attitudes around that. There's just like a, a group of, uh, predominantly males who believe that, that uh th- this gender equal this gender pay gap is something that doesn't exist and it's like but i mean this is easily proven through statistics and but uh but but like it, you just you you see stuff like that where yeah you if if, if it's not a supporter of his then it, he, he doesn't care but uh let me um we'll transition out of that with this uh one more like just crazy thing he says he he for um, uh, Washington Post, Post reports for the third time has said that his dad was born in Germany, um, and his dad was born in New York. In New York, so I, I, it, it's it, he he does this thing where he lies about things that are so unnecessary and so weird, and it's just like why, why do you do that? Like his 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 mom was an immigrant, but. His dad wasn't. Maybe he's getting it confused. I'm just like, but he's obviously been corrected the previous two times he said this. So I don't understand why he keeps saying it. It's like that. This is like this. That's just sometimes it makes me think he he just like lies so naturally and so easily that like like it it, it doesn't even matter to him the what what Matt what he is saying like the if it's factual or not. Like he's just gonna say if it's gonna you know if he wants to say he's he 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 um he uh aligns with immigrants in some way because his dad was born in germany when his dad was born in new york but it's just it's very weird it he's he's such a strange and bad person and i just you know I, yeah, we, we'll get into this more in the next year but um but hopefully it's you know hopefully that we're more than halfway through this yeah 
yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> but yeah, so um, pop culture. We talked about March Madness. That was pop culture. Right? That's pretty pop yeah. culture. Uh, what about your kids? Any kids doing anything? Do anything fun uh, this week? You know, I've been really bad at trying to take mental notes of when my kids when my kids do a thing. Um, let's see. Oh, this is bad podcasting right here. I don't know. Do you do you have a thing while I'm thinking? So. So I obviously, um, my, my song up top, I, uh, I parodied the Backstreet Boys song, everybody Backstreet's back. Um, so the reason that came to mind, I actually hadn't prepared, I'd totally forgotten to prepare a song, but I was sitting here went, uh, waiting to start the podcast and that came to mind because, uh, Beatrix has, uh, kind of like, as of to like maybe today, really mastered the K sound, the K sound. Um, because uh, today I noticed like she brings you a book and before she, she like, buh, buh, buh. but today she was saying book, book. And before when she would try to say the K sound, it'd be like, because she like tried to, she, she, um, she sees cars and trucks and she's kind of combined the word. So it's like a, it, it's like a cock or a cuck, which neither of those <laughs> words is good. But, um, but before she was going, wait, she couldn't say C's and she couldn't say the K's obviously it's the same sound. So she, she would be like, so she would replace D's C's with D's. And so she'd be like, duh. And that's what she would call when she see a car or a truck, she would go duh. But today she was going. Cuck. Cuck. And she, so we're thinking like, what's other words we can say with like K and the end in K and there's actually not that many that are, so we were talking about back cause she's like been recently, she's realized she can walk backwards. And so she's been doing that a lot. And so, um, we were saying back to her and she would say it back. And so it was like, so I just went, uh, we call her, uh, and it's not in this room, so it's not going to hear me. But we call the Alexa. We call it. You can. You can. Uh, the wake up word can be computer in in reference to Star Trek, and we're fucking nerds. So um, that's right. Ours, uh, ours is computer, which has changed the way I reference my laptop. It's my laptop now. It's not my computer. Because <laughs> um, yeah, although it it, yeah. it it wakes up to some random sounds, uh, it's listening to other things. But whatever. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, so uh, I just go computer play Backstreet's Back by Backstreet Boys, and it plays that, and she just all excited. And so, it, like literally, like maybe like half an hour before we got on this podcast, I had listened to that song, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna put this into a song." <laughs> and so defense is back. Uh, so yeah, this is the the song up top was definitely inspired by my daughter. Um, she's uh, going through. Uh, According to the books, she's going through a rapid development phase, and which means she's very grouchy. She she gets frustrated with her toys when they don't do what she wants now. So she'll be crying and whining at me, and I'm not sure why. I'm like, before it was, are you hungry? Do you need your diaper changed? Yeah. Like, is mostly the two or things. Or are you tired? Or, or are, are you tired? tired? Yeah. And, but now it's like, I'm mad at these toys. They are not doing what I want them to do. Like she had, she has these, uh, this little, uh, thing called a beat bell or beat bow. It's uh, been, it plays music and you can interact with it and stuff. It's like this weird, like electronic toy. And, and, 
it's kind of broken. I don't I don't know what happened. I think the batteries might be dying. So it would be in the middle of what it was saying, and then it would just cut off. Like she'd hit one of the buttons, it would start saying, and then it would just cut off. And she knew that it was doing that because she's played with it before. And she was getting really mad. And she was like screaming at the thing, and she was cry- turning and looking at me for help. And I'm like, I don't know. And luckily we have this other like mat that has the same sort of character in the middle, just like a smaller version. And so I just brought that out and I was like, here, play with this one. It's the same. And, and, and she got, she, she was happier about it, you know, but she's, she's getting frustrated about things, which is like that. Now you're like, I can't make you happy now. Cause I'm sorry that you, I, she, like, if she can't, she's got like, the shapes going into the shape type of thing. She's got this like picnic basket with like a star, a triangle and a circle and a square. And if she doesn't get it in the right one, the first try, she gets really mad. And like, she's just like, she won't do like, she won't do anything. Like, and and if you, and if you don't do something exactly as she wants it, she throws a fit for like a, a minute and then comes back. And then like, I'm feeding her a string cheese. And, and I didn't get, I didn't like give her another bite fast enough uh, or it was a banana. She eats a banana every morning. Um, she wakes up saying, Nana, 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 like she wants her banana in the morning. And so you're feeding it to her. And I didn't give her the next bite fast enough. So she threw a fit. She wanted down. She rolled around on the ground for a bit. And then like finally comes over to me, asked to get up. I give her a bite. Everything's fine. And nothing, nothing was ever wrong in the first place. What are you talking about, dad? Like it, it's, it's, she's in a, in a, in a really fun time right now definitely starting she's 16 months she's she's leaning into those terrible twos early i think but (laughs) you know that's a sign of brilliance right you know yeah yeah Yeah, but she's still a sweetheart like you know when she's not around us of course you know i I take we i took her we there's like the ymca as the daycare yeah and 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 there's like she's so i mean she is happy most of the time and you've you've been around her jeff you know she is oh yeah but 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 uh you know, all day she was fussing over this and that with me. And then I, I, I pick her up from the daycare after I work out and they're like, she's so happy and she's so talkative. And I'm like, it's like she's already figured out that she can be, we, we all figured eventually that we can be shittier around our family. <laughs> <laughs> and she's already figured that out. No, this is like, oh my, <laughs> like when you tell these stories, it cracks me up so much because it reminds me so much of when my kids were little. Um, and, and it's, it's the same thing. Like, like people will say to us and, and my kids are great. Like, I'm not like trying to say my kids aren't great because my kids are fantastic, but it's like, you know, when people babysit our kids or our teachers talk about our kids or what their teachers talk about our kids, whatever, like they'll say things. Oh my gosh. I just love your kids. They're, they're so polite and they're so this and they're so, and I'm like, I'm like, the fuck is that at home? Like, like I never see that, you know, not never, but it's like, you know, they just sort of like, you know, they're, they're not necessarily polite with, with me and, and Sarah and, you know, they're not necessarily whatever. I mean, and they're still sweet or whatever, but it's like, um, you know, they, they sort of figure out real quick, like, okay, this is how we behave with everybody else. And then this is the way we treat our parents. And it's like, you know, it's just, it, it's pretty hilarious. It cracks me up. Yeah, so um, yeah, we're we're about we're about on time here, uh, probably a little over. Uh, but yeah, let's. I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Um, thank you for listening. Again, uh, uh, we have a Twitter account at um, Pod Pod versus everyone. 
um, on Twitter. Uh, hit us up with questions, comments, whatever. Um, I'd love questions. Uh, we we have podcast versus everyone at gmail.com if you want to send us questions. Um, if, if you don't want people to see them, like on Twitter, they can see them if you do that. Uh, if you don't like Twitter, which is fine, no one should be on Twitter. I'm um, not on Twitter. Well, he kind of is kinda. now, guys. I kind of. Um, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Jeff's wrote some great stuff on the Kyle Smith hire uh, so far this week, and we'll definitely have more out of that. Um, Kook fan and spokesman for spring ball coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go over there if you want some of that. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you can come see our recaps of the recap if you want. But 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 yeah, like we we rip on Kook fan, but they got boots on the ground and they got people there and they're covering spring ball and they covered the Kyle Smith hire and everything. So yeah, um, they they have value and and we appreciate absolutely. Them. And if I get like if I can just sort of like. I know there's probably like three people listening at this point, but like, I just want to set the record straight on this. I am a Coug fan subscriber. Okay. So, I mean, I pay for that and I do that because, you know, they fill a really important role in, in sort of like this whole, you know, universe of coverage around our school, which to be honest is really sparse, right? Like there are just not that many people who cover the school with any regularity and Coug fan in a lot of, uh, in a lot of respects does a better job than the spokesman. Um, you know, Theo Lawson is one person. Coug fans got, you know, a couple of students on the ground in Pullman. They've got, you know, they're people who write about stuff, you know, from hundreds of miles away, just like we do. Um, you know, they do an important thing. And, and so like, I don't, I don't, you know, again, there's probably three people listening to this, but, um, I just want to know, I just want to say like, you know, what I wrote about, you know, Coug fan and how they've portrayed things and, and different things like that with the basketball program. Look, man, I listen, I love Coug fan. We partnered with them on a fundraiser for Linsky's hope. Um, I consider Greg Witter, who's one of the founders of Coug fan. I consider him a friend. Um, you know, they do some good stuff. Doesn't mean we can't disagree once in a while, but they do some good stuff. So anyway, for what it's worth. Also, we're, uh, we didn't gloat about it at all, which is really weird for us, but Gonzaga lost. Yeah. And, we're 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 happy with that and also it means that theo lawson is back covering wsu that's right um because they had spokesman knows where they're making their money no you know no qualms with them obviously you know that their gonzaga coverage probably is the majority the reason why they sell the majority of their subscriptions um but uh so obviously they had all hands on deck for the tournament and uh very happy to see them exit the tournament just in time for Theo to come back and cover the Kyle Smith hire and cover the, cover the rest of spring ball. So, um, welcome back Theo. Um, you're not listening, but that's, that's okay. Yep. Um, that's okay. But, but yeah, send us an email uh, or also, um, like subscribe, all that, please, um, do it right now. You're, you're, you're listening on your phone. Just hit subscribe. It's cool. Give us five stars, put a comment saying we'd like that. Yeah. I, you know, I like to see the comments. Um, you know, there, we, we have some five-star reviews, but only two of them have comments. So I'd love more because, you know, I have an ego. I want it to be fed. So um, please do that. But, yeah, um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. That's right. Go Cougs.